The Last Joyride, Part 13, Wednesday, 4.30 p.m. Joy had parked in the pay-as-you-stay parking deck on the same block as the Atlanta Four Seasons Hotel. She was nervous, and that was a trait I had yet to see. She insisted we stop at a bar for a drink. I couldn't believe it. You sure that's a good idea? You don't hold your liquor so well. She flashed me those angst-filled brown eyes. I'm sure. You know of a place close by? Sure. As a place a couple of blocks south, we'll park and walk. She still wouldn't tell me much more about the phone call, only that it could put her back on track, whatever that meant. She was visibly shaken, but doing her best to cover it. At the first crosswalk, we darted across busy Peachtree Street and were at the spot in a few minutes. The evening traffic was starting to build, adding to the noise and tension. I held the door for her as we went inside and sat at the bar. I'll have a tangeray and tonic, please. Make it a double, I said to the bartender. Joy, what do you want? She looked into space for a moment. The bartender waited patiently. What did we have the other night? We had margaritas. Yeah, that's what I want. That was good. I nodded and the bartender was off. You want me to join you for this or just wait in the car? She turned to me suddenly. No, I want you there. So yes, you need to be there. She patted my arm, maybe because the look on my face was of disbelief after her unusual reaction. Suddenly, I was the cool one. I'm just nervous, she said, smiling, then rested her head on her arms she folded on the bar. No shit. I'd like to know what you're so nervous about, though. Do you have to repo the governor's car or something? I said, trying to break her mood with my usual stupid levity. Oh, I wish. Look, Nick, she said, lifting her head just in time for the drinks to arrive. Just stick with me on this. If this pans out, I might actually get my life back on track. I need this opportunity, and I can't blow it. Her eyes, her faraway eyes, always staring into deep space, were suddenly focused on me, as if waiting for me to come out with some sort of lyrical truth to soothe her racing mind. She took a sip of her drink, squinted, and swallowed. She lifted her glass again and took another sip and spun around on her barstool, looking out the tinted front windows. Holy shit, she said, reaching behind her and putting her glass clumsily on the bar. What? We've got to go across the street. I turned to look at whatever had piqued her interest. It was a clothing store of all things. The junk man's daughter. I've got to go get something real quick. It'll help me get into character. I nodded and shrugged. I'm just here for moral support, I said, tossing back the rest of my tangeray. I peeled off two twenties and pushed them across the bar. Joy took another sip, but left the rest, which I then drank, and caught her at the door. She moved quickly, up to the end of the block, then across the street, then back down to the store. I followed her in. She darted her eyes back at me for a split second. Just look around a minute. I know exactly what I want. She walked into the women's clothing area and right up to an employee. They talked for a second but I turned and went back outside, preferring to wait there. I sat on the ledge in the front window near the door and watched the heavy traffic piling up in all lanes of Peachtree. It had only been a few minutes, it seemed, when Joy emerged, and oh man, did she look different. She now had on what looked like black leather leggings that had been bedazzled with some sort of galaxy design in silver on the left calf and on the right thigh. They were tucked into her black boot. She also wore a black, form-fitting, off-the-shoulder top that had a deep V-neck front. She had brushed her hair out and was fixing it into her usual high ponytail, and as a finishing touch, she had put on her red lipstick and darkened her eyeshadow a bit. You ready? I could feel my eyes drying out from staring. I just moved, stood, and followed on autopilot. She was carrying her old clothes in a shopping bag she swung casually by her side. Can you put these in the Jeep? I'll go on ahead, and you could come on in fashionably late. Your backstory is... Flat-footed, still I managed to quickly come up with something. I'm just an associate. Top man. Your go-to. What you hear, I hear. Nothing goes any further. I'll be stoic. A listener. 
I'll make very little eye contact with your client, but a lot with you. We won't say much. We'll communicate with eye contact and nods. When I come in, you invite me to sit. I'll sit next to you and put my palms on the table. It's an old gangster thing. Don't ask me how I know. Joy pursed her lips. That was about as close to a smile as she would give me. She was in character. Pretty good, okay, she said. We walked down the last block in silence before I split off with a bag of clothes. Her shoulders were squared, head was high, her gaze elsewhere. Her stride, purposeful, confident. Her ochre, silky hair trailed down her slender neck and bounced slightly as she moved. All the gears in that beautiful mind were spinning in undetermined patterns, and she was busy trying to work out the points of prograde and retrograde of each tiny cog in the celestial mechanics of her ever-changing universe, all in an effort to put them together for the best possible outcome. I just couldn't keep my eyes off of her. It was hard before, but damn, she just upped the game and made it nearly impossible. And, as often happens to me, a song came to mind, and I couldn't get rid of it. It's a subconscious problem I have, and I'm not sure how to fix it, or that I even want to. For whatever reason, this one came from the depths of the 1980s, a time when hairband metal was popular on stations around the country, and a time when MTV actually played videos. I even took, it even took a second for me to get past the aggressive echoing guitar riff to begin the song in earnest before I remember the name, <laughs> Lay It Down. I was singing softly as I walked beside the stunning woman. Joy finally noticed, but made no visible acknowledgement. The man's name is Coy Davenwood. What you don't pick up from the meeting, I will fill you in on on the way home. Coy? Joy looked at me sharply, but with the slightest hint of a smile. Got it? I took her cue and kept my thoughts to myself on that one. There's a shirt in the bag and a belt. Put them on. Wednesday, 5.13 p.m. With a nod, and without breaking her stride, Joy passed me the bag and shifted her tiny purse over her head the thin strap crossing her chest, further accentuating her natural shape. I continued singing as I watched her heaven-sent hindquarters disappear around the corner at the end of the block. I returned to the Jeep in the cool parking deck, and took what turned out to be a simple gray short-sleeve button-down shirt out of the bag. Nothing fancy, except the velvet black iron cross embroidered on the chest pocket, and in the center of the back. I just put it on like requested, and tucked it into my faded jeans. Then I put the belt on. The belt was awful. It was plain enough, except for the big silver skull belt buckle. We were going to have words about that later, though, for damn sure. I even dug around in the Jeep and found some hand lotion, which I used a little of to clean the scuff from the toes of my boots. I gave them a quick once-over just for good measure. All tucked and cinched, I made my way back out of the garage and over towards the hotel bar where Joy said she was meeting her client. Coy Davenwood, I thought to myself. What the fuck has she fallen into?